It's been a while. I have been recording. I feel like I've recorded draft episodes and also talked about this many times that I haven't recorded. I have a bunch of drafts from the past, actually not in September, in August, I recorded a bunch. So the last episode that I did was at the end of July. I thought I posted this other episode. It, it was a birthday episode. It was inspired by Ryan Holiday. Every year he writes this post about like 28 lessons, turning 28, 29 lessons, turning 29. And I wanted to do something similar, like five years at a time. I, I did do that. I didn't post it. I thought I posted it. I'm going to have to go back through it and remember why I didn't post it. I don't know if it was just an accident or if I listened to it and just decided not to post it. But in any case, the last episode I did was in July, right before a trip to New York. I went on the trip to New York, and in New York, I recorded a bunch of stuff, like hours. It was probably the most audio I've recorded in, say, uh, it was like a week, in, in a week. And some of it I did have the intention to post, but then we went to Montana for a week, didn't get around to editing any of this stuff. And then it just becomes that thing where there's the drafts, they're almost there, but it will take a while to remember, like go back through it, get the context back. That That's a bad thing about my workflow for podcasting that it's often much better for me to record from start to finish and then publish it in the same day. Then I don't have to go back, remember what I was talking about, remember the parts that I meant to cut out, that sort of thing. So I just need to remember that. And also to not talk too much about podcasting when podcasting, but it seems somewhat useful when it's these multiple return episodes. I'll do some catch up on those. Those episodes, I talked about this book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, multiple times. I, it's because I was listening to that book at the time. It's a great book about storytelling. I'm going to do an episode about that. I had one about Musashi because I finally did finish Musashi. Great book. And then since then, so in September, so I, the good thing though is that I was blogging through all of this in August and I was writing a bunch on the blog, activerecall.co. And then I did kind of like three weeks in NFT land and just stopped writing and always doing is like reading about that space. I'm back now. I, it's kind of like going into a rabbit hole, coming back out and then getting back to it, getting back to the podcast, writing, blogging, reading, and we'll see how this goes. So what I did want to do is go back through a few of those posts that I wrote in August about New York while I was in New York. I was very sentimental when I was in New York because Amy and I left New York in last September. So it's actually been a year. So it's another reason to be like sentimental. Like we've lived in San Francisco for a year, but we left New York. It was still with pretty much everything locked down. We came back in April. That was great for the wedding. Didn't have that much time to like explore New York. And a lot of stuff was still kind of locked down. It was, it was people were, we, you still couldn't quite eat at it any place you wanted to, that sort of thing. But when I was back in August, it was opened back up. You could really, it felt like the city was coming back. So it was this return to the New York that I remember, that sort of thing. I talked a lot about that and was thinking a lot about that and just returning to New York after having lived there. And it was the first time that I really felt like a visitor again. I wrote about it and I, I thought three posts that could 
he turned it to a nice podcast. I wrote these posts called Creator Lessons from NYC Food. Anytime we go back to New York, we have this list of food places to go to. Even like when I moved to New York, I had food places to go to like in mind that I had seen on Anthony Bourdain's shows that I saw in like the Turntable Lab blog that I heard about through my friends that had visited New York. And I just wanted to go to all these places. So it was nice to revisit that, write about that a little bit. And yeah, here here we go. So the, the three posts I wrote, Creator Lessons from NYC Food, Very Fresh Noodles. Then there's one on Xi'an Famous Foods. And then one on Cat's Delicatessen. So maybe I'll sandwich this with the two noodle places. So I'm going to just start with Very Fresh Noodles. So this was the, the first post that I wrote about it about like food in New York. And it's just like a very important thing to me growing up, watching food shows, reading about food. And a lot of my time is like spent thinking about food for whatever reason. Very Fresh Noodles, it's in Chelsea Market. And I mean, a lot of times when you would hear about it, when it first opened up, people would compare it to Xi'an Famous Foods. And I like very fresh noodles. Probably, I mean, I ended up going there a lot more frequently. It's the than Xi'an, maybe just like location wise, but both are very good. And what I wrote here is that comparing them was similar to like, or actually, I contrasted this with In and Out and Shake Shack. That's always this East Coast West Coast thing. I can see why people think one is better than than the other. And they're very different experiences in and out in Shake Shack. But it always seems to boil down to like, they're both pretty good. in and outs cheaper. I'd rather have a Shake Shack burger. The the beef tastes better. That's usually my take is like, ah, oh, the, the beef just is, is, it's a better beef patty. And then, I don't know. I, I could go either way. It's the same thing as like what Chappelle says, that whoever paid him last is between Coke and Pepsi. That's the one he likes better. And in my case, whichever one I ate last, that's the one I enjoy more. But I really would probably rather have the Shake Shack burger with In-N-Out well-done fries. And what I was trying to say is that Very Fresh Noodles and Xi'an, the food, as far as I could remember, is pretty similar. And even I, I ate them within three days of each other on this last trip back, also pretty similar. But the experience difference that I have with it is that Very Fresh Noodles has a much simpler menu, and that's what came to mind. And this is just me trying to tie this to a book quote. And there's a book called Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. And in the book, they point out this two-by-two grid that Steve Jobs liked to use, and it was a great way to just explain Apple's offering. So here's the book quote. Basically, Steve hit Apple's entire product line with a simple stick. He was going to transition Apple from its multitude of computer models to a simple grid of four laptops for consumers and pros and desktops for consumers and pros. It was one of the most dramatic minimizations of a product line in technology history. And that's kind of how I felt the first time I went to Very Fresh Noodles. It was just, it was very simple wet or dry and then lamb or beef and then i think they had like one other beef item and actually when i returned this time the menu has expanded quite a bit but there's still value in simplicity it it was very nice when they had like 
they're just a brand new restaurant in Chelsea Market. You have maybe like five options for main things. And I always appreciated that and just reminded me of watching Food Network or I guess whatever channel the like BBC version. I, I don't know if it was I was watching on BBC, but just like Gordon, Ra- Gordon Ramsay going into a restaurant. Always the first thing that he does is he could always predict, OK, if, if this restaurant's failing, the menu's too big. Let me just remove a bunch of stuff from it. And that is always like this nice mentality for different things. If you're overwhelmed in life, like take a look at like write down everything that's going on. What can you remove? It, it's rarely that you're overwhelmed because you need to add something else to your life. And it's more taking a look at different things, figuring out ways to remove and simplify. That said, I would like to add Wally back to the show. I texted him like one minute before I started to record this to say like, hey, want to record, do a quick catch up. And I told him I'll start this segment of what's Wally up to when I ask him to record with no warning. And this time he was at a wedding shooting. So I'll give it a shot next time or just actually plan out a time to record with Wally. Number two, creator lessons. I'm not going to do Xi'an Famous Foods yet. I'll do creator lessons from New York City food, Cat's Deli, contested, Cat's Deli. Huge sandwiches, pastrami sandwiches, and one of my, it's a very like iconic New York place for like lower Manhattan and also like very touristy. You're going to find tourists there. And something about it is that they've kind of had the same system where the only upgrade in the last like decade is that they've started to accept credit card. But they have a weird system where you walk in, you get a ticket at the door, and then you eat. They'll, they'll mark the different things that you've ordered. And then when you walk out, that's when you pay based on your ticket. But you have to like hold this ticket the whole time. But I mean, this, the system is like similar to, I guess, like dim sum where they're marking things off as you order them. But not not like you're sitting down and they're doing this like at your table and at cats. It's you get the ticket, you go to the counter, you order, you watch them make it in front of you, and then give you like a sample of the meat, and then you you're able to to walk out or like go eat at a table, then walk out and pay. But the thing is, like you, you have to hold this ticket the, the entire time. Rarely do you lose it, but. You're just, you just end up like you're throwing a bunch of stuff away or putting the, there's opportunity to lose it. So there's just always that like paranoid pat down, like trying to remember like, oh, where's my ticket? Where's my ticket? I love the food. You get pickles and the sample can be good. But this just reminded me of The Power of Moments. So this is a book by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Oh, they're also known as like one of these New York places where you need to know how to order or they'll get mad at you. And this is the thing. So in terms of the like two by two matrix, you could have, I would say like one of the things is your entry and your exit and then good or bad experience. So in the very good world, you come in, get, you get your ticket and in the very good moment. Oh, so actually let me back up. Power of moments talks about how important different moments are in at different time frames. that for something that happens within a day, like a day in a vacation or like let's let's call it a vacation call it a vacation the things you're going to remember are like the beginning and the end or and then anything that's like a peak moment in the trip of like the your favorite ride that happened at, at Disneyland 
that'll be like a, a peak moment in your vacation. You're not going to really remember kind of everything in between, like unless you have a really terrible experience. If you have a, if you ride a ride and you throw up because you got too dizzy, that's like a bottom moment. And then maybe there's something about, but there is the thing that like you can kind of forget about all the time that you're standing waiting in line as long as the ride is pretty fun. That can kind of overshadow all the waiting in line. And then, so the beginning and end of an experience can matter a lot more than everything that's happening in between. But you want to make those things stand out. Okay, back to cats. If you have this really good experience coming in, you order, and one of the great first experiences is that they give you a sample of the meat of whatever it is that you ordered. So you get a taste of the pastrami right as you're ordering, right as they're making it. It's wonderful. And then you're eating, you enjoy your sandwich, and there's not really like a peak end moment except the satisfaction of feeling full and that you've eaten this great sandwich. And you walk out, you pay, you leave. And then the opposite of this is if you have a bad entry moment. And my brother actually went through this where... It's, it's, I, I'm guessing it's a very common mistake. I've almost done it too, where he went with my sister-in-law. A shout out to, to Jamie, who's never going to listen to this. But they went, they ordered, Dan got his sample. He ordered his pastrami sandwich or a, a Reuben. I'm not sure exactly what it was. And then that's great. He got his sandwich. But then he said, oh yeah. And then my wife wants... Also, some other sandwich. And then the guy's like, why didn't you tell me in the first place? Which kind of makes sense, but it also like makes sense the other way. But I, I don't know how much faster... Maybe it would be like much faster to make both at the same time. So I don't know if the anger was quite warranted. And I could see why you want to probably like put both of the orders up for, in up front. Anyway, they didn't get kicked out or anything. It was just like, he told me, like, oh, it just kind of sucks as like your first experience at this place. Kind of don't know what's going on. And then you get yelled at by someone. It can take the shine off it. And then the bad experience. And this is something that I saw while I was eating at Cats this last time. And it was always like my nightmare. I saw this group of like 12 people. They ate. They're walking out. Looked like they were having like a good time together, but then a few minutes later, like one guy slowly walks back and he's looking through the pile of plates, the dishes. He's doing pat- patting his stuff down, checking through his backpack, and of course, he's lost his ticket. And he's just looking at it, like this thing's never going to be found again. He starts to like the one of the people coming by to clean. He asks that guy, and that guy's like, "Dude, I I don't know. I don't know where your ticket is." And I think it's a $50 fee to, to get out, but it's not, they don't make that immediately clear. I think there's a sign up front that says that. And I don't, it's not like they're going to arrest you or anything, but it could be, I could see like kind of a scary thing if, if there's, if they're willing to kind of like, you know, scold you at the counter, who knows what they're going to do if you lost this ticket. So that was just, that just reminded me of this idea of the power of moments and, having the good experience and having the bad experience. I've pretty much had good experiences there and I continue to come back. Sandwich is great. And if you ever do go, this is a little indulgent, but what I'll order is, and I got this with Wally actually the last time he was in New York and it was the first time I had it. It is the, no, 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 now I remember we didn't get this. And then we watched 
Anthony Bourdain, like a video of Anthony Bourdain going to Katz. And then we saw what his order was. And then we wanted to go back. And I've finally gone back and got it. It's the pastrami sandwich, but you add chicken liver to it. Chicken liver. I don't know if it's pate or like spread. Um, just the chopped liver. You, you add that to that, to the sandwich. It's great. But then, like, you need to nap the rest of the day. Get that. Try that out. You know, split that with someone if you ever go to Cats. And then the last one, Xi'an Famous Foods. I think I went here, it was, like, the day that I was leaving Manhattan. And I went to this new location, Xi'an Famous Foods, and unsurprisingly, it was very delicious. As good as I remember, and... And I wrote these three lessons just about, like, the experience at Xi'an Famous Foods. So, I mean, I, maybe I can do this. Just talk about, like, what my orders are. So what I ordered there was the dry lamb noodles plus a, a pork sandwich. I think they call it a burger. It's not quite a burger. It's, well, I guess it is, like, I mean, it's pork meat between two pieces of bread. But it's not quite bread. In the same way that cats is. Anyway, so the three things I wrote down here, I don't have a, a book quote here, but it is help your audience pick. So this is a nice thing. They have a menu with pictures of everything. And they also have a couple things that explain what to do. Like, I remember that they had, there, there's different spice levels. And then there's this fun thing, like a document just pasted next to the all the pictures of food and it's the owner explaining why he would order spicy. He understands that some people probably don't want spicy if he had, if he weren't going to be attacked by the mob that he would just take non-spicy options off the menu because it just tastes better spicy. So it's a nice, like a copywriting thing for the restaurant to see like, here's how to do it. Have some instructions for how to order, which would be helpful bad cats to not get yelled at so then this other lesson compromise sometimes there's a story that comes to mind where seth godin talks about david chang of course like momofuku and how he went there in the very early days in at the east village location and he would order some dish and ask for it maybe like a vegan version of it or to like leave something off of it and they would be happy to do that then one day David Chang says, no, you can't customize the dishes here. You want that, you have to go somewhere else. And what Seth Godin argues is that in being uncompromising, that's where you become a creative success. And I think it's a good story and can be a good way, like a good mentality to have as far as where you'll choose to allow customizations or where you're going to choose to compromise or not. And at what point in your career are you allowed to to make those decisions? Because it can't always be just like right from the top. I'm going to be uncompromising. But yeah, that just reminds me of the the progression of where you're able to say no later in your career. But early on, early in your career, it, it pays off to just say yes to everything. And then eventually you'll learn what you want to say no to until you're able to say no to a bunch of stuff that you don't want to do. But it is a progression. You'll often see that, like, hell yeah or no, sort of, uh, which I think is a good thing because it's easy to waste time on things that are just kind of, like, lukewarm. But sometimes you don't know. Like, someone invites you out somewhere 
you kind of don't know if it's going to be fun or not. So it's not quite a hell yeah. But then you end up having like time of your life at this random thing that your friend invited you to because you didn't quite know what was going to happen there. And so in, in that case, like it pays off to like say yes to some things that maybe you don't quite know what the outcome is going to be. And then number three, treat your team well. So Xi'an Famous Foods I doesn't accept tips and always makes me think like uh, they must get paid a good wage. And also the, the owner always or like often will respond to people on Yelp. Not not food like flavor wise, but I, I did notice it is usually when someone accuses the person at the cash register, like the, the person running the cash register for something shady or something devious. And he'll, he'll defend them. And it might be going against the customer's always right idea. But I do like that idea of like the manager supporting his employees and just assuming good intent there that, hey, like, I, I don't think they're trying to rip you off. Like, there must have been a miscommunication here. Seems good for the long game. And anyway, great restaurant. I would, uh, I told you my order already. And I'm getting hungry for that. And we'll probably go to either Xi'an Famous Foods or Very Fresh Noodles when we go back to New York, which will be in a few weeks. So that's that for... And this is getting a little bit long for an episode, especially a solo episode. But that's that. So uh, I guess <laughs> let me know what you think about... This episode, creator lessons from New York City food. Maybe I'll do some for like San Francisco food. A lot of oysters here. That's what I could say. We finally got burritos after a year here. That was great. Also, I'm not going to like try to pivot to a food podcast or anything, but this was a fun one. I do enjoy food. And I do want to do this episode about, maybe this can be like a teaser for some future episode five life lessons from steak and one of them is just like we've been using like the gas grill at the apartment and i think i was like shout out to jerry a friend of the pod we he taught me how to grill and we love our charcoal grills love them growing up and i was a little bit harsh on like using gas grills and it Seems like, in hindsight, unnecessarily harsh. It's just more convenient, and it tastes pretty good anyway. So uh, get a grass grill if you're not, you know. It, it can be a little inconvenient to like heat up all the charcoal if you're just going to cook one steak. So that would be a lesson, steak lesson number one. Convenience. Convenience over flavor. Char- charcoal, a charcoal's grilled steak is still... Better. I, I would maybe say like way better, but definitely better. And then a gas grilled steak is better than something like pan fried. But then there's like pan fried's pretty good too. I mean, I, I like steaks cooked in many different ways, uh, but different lessons. That's a teaser for a future episode. Who knows if I'm going to record that? Hopefully I can get Wally on, on the show soon. Thanks for listening.